0: leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. The opinions voiced in Investing Simplified are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with an attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing investors cannot invest directly in indexes the performance of any index is not indicative of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing a diversified portfolio does not assure profit or prevent losses in a declining market roth ira conversion is a taxable event Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with Price Financial Group, Wealth Management Incorporated. Investment services offered through Price Financial Group, Wealth Management Incorporated, an SEC-registered investment advisor.
1: Welcome into Investing Simplified. However you're joining us today, thank you so much for making us a part of your day. As always, you can catch replays of our show available on podcasts, both Apple and Android as well as Amazon Music we're also available on our website at www.pricefg.com this is matt sudol wealth manager here coming to you with matt may our wealth manager as well how are you sir i am doing
2: fantastic how about
1: yourself doing well first show for us this year that you and i are on at the same time which yeah. is great so been, thanks it's for it's been a minute coming Good to on. see you on this yeah. on this show here Absolutely. I know uh, our listeners have had plenty of bow in their ears. So we figured we switch it up a little bit. Um, things have been, uh, you know, in flux and busy. And so we haven't had time to really come down here and talk about what is going on in the economy, in the markets. And I'm sure, I'm sure people are just waiting here Dying with to hear what the to say. Right. So um, before I jump into things, of course, as always, complimentary consultations are available and you can give us a call at 503 503- That number is also okay to be texted on. So feel free to text, not while you're driving, but if you wanted to take advantage of our complimentary consultation, you can do it via a text message as well. So jumping into 2024, believe it or not, we are already making some moves in the markets. Um, You and I were just looking at things that are perking up more and more, and then we're back to all-time highs on the S&P 500. All-time
2: highs that were set at the beginning of 2022 and then of course that year turned out to be a little bit of a landslide and then recovery in 2023 and now here we are back to all-time highs yeah you're right it did i was thinking
1: about it was a tail end of 21 but it was really beginning of 2022 before things started sliding due to the you know the federal reserve tightening cycle um Mm -hmm. that were at a hopefully very, very end off. Um, the Federal Reserve went through and increased rates at a record speed, which caused the equity market S&P 500 is
2: what we were just talking about to sell off quite a bit. Yeah. And it was interesting to see what parts of the equity markets got hit the most and the least. So there were some real drawdowns in small companies, as you know, there's there's various pockets, even in the fixed income world, of course, that were really hit by those higher interest rates. But the equity markets, particularly those small caps, got got beaten up quite a bit. Yeah. So in the equity market or stock market, as we talk about here on
1: the show, there are several components we discuss. So number one, as many people are aware, there's the S&P 500, which has 500 largest U.S. companies. And it did make its way back to an all-time high. However, one caveat with it, and I was just looking this up. um, Keep in mind that, yes, it's at an all-time high. However, inflation cumulative since 2020 was... 19%, meaning that, yes, we're at an all-time high, but inflation adjusted, not quite there yet, so there's room for growth, potentially. Now, the S&P 500 has 500 U.S. companies in there. However, as we've mentioned last year, the quote-unquote name was Magnificent 7, contributed to majority of those earnings, I want to say somewhere around 80% of it, came from- More than two-thirds, for sure. From the seven companies out of the 500. Now, uh, Magnificent 7, I hate to laugh, but- dropped a unit recently because Tesla started underperforming so now it's a magnificent 6 and they continue to go higher and the thought process that a lot of economists have is maybe just maybe they slow down their growth a little bit the explosive increases and the other 493 companies in the S&P 500 start catching up kind of take the baton and run run further right and because if you think about it the market you know, is is a wide range of services and uh, products that are being sold and in all sorts of industries. And so if we you know, currently the seven, you know, are primarily tech. There's you know, automotive for Tesla, but you know, it's a technology company. You've got, you know, Microsoft, the Apples, um, Netflix and, and, and Alphabet and Alphabet. Yeah. So a lot of those are, you know, tech tech companies. Um surprisingly the Nasdaq hasn't quite yet made its way back
2: to an all-time high it's pretty close It got beaten up really bad in 2022 or 2020 yeah 2022 sorry and it was down pretty much close to 30 percent that year right when the S P was down 18 19 yeah so the nasdaq is you know tech
1: companies and it's heavy in those and 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 they had a really really rough go before and so it takes them a bit longer to catch up it's the whole math of if you're down 10 percent you need 11 to get back up uh, but if let's say you're down 50, I like to use 50 because it's easy, yeah. then you need 100%. Right. Yeah. If you're down 50%, you need 100. So the bigger of a hole you dig yourself into, the
2: further up you have to go before you get back to even. So just breaking that math down. Say you have a dollar and you lose 50% of that. You're down to 50 cents. The math that you need to turn your 50 cents back into a dollar, you need to double that 50 yeah. cents. You need 100%, 100%, 100% return.
1: Yeah. And so you've got those two, you know, one at an all-time high, one getting close. And then there is small companies. Small companies usually are represented through the Russell. And the Russell 2000 is, you know, down for the year.
2: It is up year over year, but not very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been grinding in a pattern like since, you know, probably a third of the way through 2022. It's it's had some peaks. It drops back down. It has yep. some peaks, drops back down. It's largely flat. since. It's an know, emotional
1: roller coaster, maybe. if you ask me. I mean, we're basically <laughs> at the same level we were in March of 2022. Hasn't moved. But here's what's happening with that. And that's mostly, I mean, all of the returns have been tied to um, interest rates, right? The Mm -hmm. higher interest rates go, the more companies have to pay to borrow money, the less they qualify for. And because of that, they obviously restrict how much they can grow. They do less hiring and and all of that kind of trickles down. We've been seeing lots more layoffs as well. Mm -hmm. And those are taking place. Uh, I think the JOLTS report came out recently and it came in hot still. So we do have lots of job openings still. But those should be coming down as well as jobs get filled with all
2: these layoffs. And why does it particularly hit small companies harder than large companies? If you think about it, a big company has access to so much borrowing ability to to credit. A smaller company doesn't have as easy a path to get those lending dollars. So if if the path is harder, generally the interest rate is higher. It just costs a lot more for them to borrow if they could borrow at all. So it's just punitive that way.
1: Yeah. And so you might have, you know, like an Apple or Microsoft, they have really, really large balance sheets. And by that, I mean, you know, their bank accounts look very, very... Hey,
2: we've got $180 billion in cash on the sidelines. Can somebody loan us five bucks? You know, people will throw money at them. Yeah.
1: They'll go to their coffers. Maybe they can get lending that's different than small companies. And so those small companies as you said, have been oscillating up and down. And when the ups happen, they do go quickly up. And they've always been sort of coordinated with potential rate cuts upcoming, meaning mm-hmm. when the Fed comes out and says, hey, we're kind of getting to a top, we're considering cuts or any kinds of conversations around the fact that rates might come down, you'll immediately start seeing the small companies of Russell outperform a little bit because they're starting to catch up. And so This year, at some point, we are told by the Fed that there may be some rate adjustments in the downward direction, let's put it that way. They They, said,
2: you know, specifically they expect to cut rates three
1: times this year. Yep, that's what they said. The market being, you know, the overall economy has priced in probably two to three times that in terms of cuts, and
2: now... You know that's caused the all-time highs. I'm guessing partially, and that's what we call a dislocation. The market is expecting more cuts than the Fed has announced, and I think that that's a little bit of a dangerous game because all along the way, when the Fed was telling us that they were going to raise rates, they did pretty much exactly what right. they were going to say yep. they were going to do over and over again, and I have no reason to doubt them. But that doesn't mean that you know uh, markets can't get overly excited to soon you yeah, know it's, it's, they have shown the willingness to do incredible things when things get ugly
1: yeah it's like you like have like
2: covid like financial crisis they'll do whatever means necessary to keep this economy propped up right yep. so if it gets ugly enough i think you could see the six cuts or seven cuts that the market could is right possibly yeah. but again economic data is coming in strong like i said this morning uh, stubbornly
1: strong they would yeah, say yeah yeah it's not this morning this recently we had joltz reports coming coming this week that's what mm-hmm. i'm going to say and came in strong, came in higher than what was predicted. And so that is an indicator that we're almost done, but not quite done. It's almost like you have a birthday party for yourself on the weekend and you start celebrating on a Monday. Well, by the time you get to the weekend, you might be too tired for your party. So (laughs) market's celebrating a little bit preemptively and too soon about, hey, potentially there's going to be cuts. Mm -hmm. We went also from potentially getting cuts in March to potentially now looking at and being pushed out further. Right. And so the fed has, and we've talked about this before on the show, ammunition that they've loaded up in their little stimulus canister. canister, (laughs) Yeah. And so once they see actual problems in the economy, they're going to start using and potentially go quicker, not a quarter percent down. They might do a percent cut or 2% cut Mm -hmm. and that's to stimulate things, but they don't have to do it until the very last moment. You know, there's been talks of the banking lines of credit that was extended last year. Um, believe it or not, it's been a year since you know just about, I shouldn't say quite yet, but um, Silicon Valley Bank fell and other banks followed. And then the Federal Reserve established a lending facility for them. Mm-hmm. And that's expiring soon in March. And so that
2: might lead to more volatility with that, depending on what the Fed decides to do with that credit facility. You mentioned the V word, volatility. Yeah. I'd say expect that to continue in at least the first half of the year, it does look to be a more volatile market, both on the equity side, stocks Mm -hmm. and bonds, fixed income. You know, I'd like to take a moment and just take a look back over the last two years and have a little bit of a gut check. A little over two years ago, we were at all time highs in the stock market, S&P 500. And anytime we get to all time highs, it becomes the perhaps the question, hey, do we take some gains? Do we you know, just stay fully invested. What if the market has a meltdown? Well, of course the meltdown happened. And now here we are two years later, we're back to all time highs. If you look back two years ago and you experienced those volatile moments and they caused you any kind of issues, would you change the way the last two years went? Knowing that, you know, two years later, you're back to break even. And that all along the way was a buying opportunity. Or would you say, I can't handle that kind of roller coaster. I need to protect myself. So there's really two views to look at it. If, you would, if you're thinking about, hey, I'm, I'm back to a, a number that I'm comfortable with again, and I want to protect that, I think you know, now's not a bad time to at least evaluate that. But if you looked at the last two years as, wow, that was an incredible buying opportunity. I'm 40, I'm 50. I still have 20-ish you know, years plus maybe to go before I retire even. And then my money in retirement maybe has to last 20, 30 years. That's a I mean, the market down eighteen percent was a pretty decent buying opportunity. Do we go back and and really focus on the exercises that we would use and implement in those down markets?
1: Right. No, that's a very good. Point. It's a big.
2: It, this is this is a good time because the markets just broke into all time highs again after more than two years to gut check our strategy to reevaluate. You know, you had an opportunity to catch back up.
1: And we don't know when the next time market goes back down, Mm -hmm. because the markets go through cycles, we don't know how much higher it'll go before it happens, or if it will just stay flat for a minute. Uh, There's a lot of uncertainty. And I like what you said, which was, if you're in the accumulation stage, it seems, you know, then you've, you know, sort of enjoyed the opportunity to buy lower throughout the last couple of years. But if you're maybe heading out of the accumulation and, and going into the stage when you retire or You've been retired, and this was just not something you wanted to stomach. It probably would be a good idea to
2: revalue your plan or put a plan together if you don't have one. Yeah, early in 2023, you know, it was very enticing to look at the CD rates, the money market rates that were in the safe money areas. It's like, hey, I can get five percent plus by taking literally nearly no risk. All you're taking is pretty much interest rate risk. Perhaps if you have to get out of something early, but you were able to have very liquid money making. You know, At the time, it wasn't quite above the rate of inflation, meaning the interest that you're earning on the money beginning of 2023 wasn't quite higher than the rate of inflation like it is now. Now, inflation is coming at, what, low threes? And then you're still getting five plus on money market. It's available out there. So you're actually making a real return. But now trade that off. Beginning of 2023, you're getting five plus in money market. And then the next year in the stock market, you got 24, 25%. You got near about five times the return, but you had to take the risk. Yeah. And so the
1: pain is always the greatest that when, when you don't want to do something, meaning right when you're about to push that sell button is the time when typically, usually, yes. typically you should stick with it and, you know, we'll make your way back. Not saying that, you know, each situation is completely different and
2: it should be evaluated. But can, th- can I say this now? Because I mentioned this probably five times when we were recording over the last two years, that any time the stock market drops, in the past, it has always recovered and gotten back to the all-time high and headed higher. Mm-hmm. And now I can say that now 100% of the time... That's happened. It's happened. For the last two years, yeah. when it reached the all-time the next high, drop. then it, then it, then it yeah. dropped. It, you know, it's like, could this be the time that it never it goes back recover. to the all-time high? But yeah. now we have cracked back into all-time Scary highs. times, for sure. That is, by the way, a positive technical indicator. Anytime yeah. the market, you know, drops and then recovers back to all-time right. highs, that has been historically a, yep. a decent buy signal. Well, we're coming up to the end of the segment. Matt and I will be back here towards the end here to summarize
1: and talk more about what's going on in the economy and the markets. We'll take a quick break. I'll be back with uh, Mr. Dave Ross, one of our wealth managers, to discuss a couple of exciting subjects. So stay tuned. We'll take a break and we'll be back with more Investing Simplified.
0: Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family.
1: Welcome back to Investing Simplified. However you're joining us today, thank you so much for making us a part of your day. As always, you can catch replays of our show available on www.pricefg.com, as well as on our podcast. That would be both Apple and Android and Amazon Music. This is Matt Sudol, Wealth Manager here, coming to you. And actually with me in studio is Mr. Dave Ross, one of our other wealth managers. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No problem. Happy to have another voice here. And we wanted to talk about a couple of things that have recently prickled up. I guess it's part of the time of the year. People do New Year's resolutions. People talk about um, you know, family planning and whatnot, and that's uh, life insurance. And uh, one of the things that comes up on occasion is, number one, do you have enough insurance or should you have insurance in general? And then um, there's different types of insurance, right? So typically, what we see out there is people have under insured themselves. That would probably be a general statement, but in essence, most people have some sort of insurance offer through work. And so that's sort of where they'll go first. However, that may not be enough. And a lot of people don't realize that it's not
3: portable.
4: Right. It's, it's captive. As long as you're at the facility, that's should be all feel well and good. But when you go on your own, you're going to look at re-rating or retabling or right. somehow, so...
1: Sometimes yeah. those companies have offerings where they'll allow you to disconnect and do it on their own, but you have to go through a different process. So, you know, a good solution potentially depends on everybody's scenario. So all of that goes with the caveat of each situation is drastically different, but potentially having some outside life insurance may be a good idea. Some of the life events that typically spark the conversation, you know, I just had a conversation here within the last couple of weeks because a friend of mine is... um Having a baby, well, his wife is having a baby, but he's (laughs) uh, he's in it with her, and uh, they're doing several months, and so it's one of those things where, oh, maybe we need some, right? Um, That would be one event. Another one that comes up a lot is, uh, hey, we just bought a house; we have got a giant mortgage with a bunch of debt on, you know, that we are now responsible for. Another one would be maybe it's a single income household, and that income has to be protected. So we can go through some of these scenarios and kind of chat through what makes sense, what doesn't as always, if you've caught parts of the show and if you wanted to take advantage of our complimentary consultation, we're available at 503-253-3000 and that's both call or text. And so if you're driving, don't do either, but if you're, uh, safely pulled over, you can text our number at 503-253-3000. We can schedule you in for a complimentary consultation. Otherwise you can also give us a call. And if we don't pick up, leave a voicemail, we'll make sure to get back to you. So, first scenario being, you know, hey, I just uh, found out we're going to have a baby. And so usually that's in the earlier stages of life. And so maybe you haven't necessarily accumulated enough money yet, right? You know, in your 20s or your 30s or in your 40s and you're having a baby. A baby is a big responsibility, but the bigger piece is you now have another life to
4: take care of. And you've got a couple? I've got two. I, I know this feeling and I was prompted and got myself my own life insurance on my own, you know, outside of company stuff after the birth of my kids. So makes yeah. sense.
1: <laughs> so what are we re- protecting? We're protecting incomes, right? Number one. So if, you know, dual income, single income, uh, whatever that income is, there is a number you've got to, you know, regenerate if that person is no longer part of the household. So if, if let's say you make $50,000 a year, well, how much money do you need to have if that fifty thousand of income goes away, now there is not an easy solution where you just multiply it by a certain percentage. Every situation will be different because of different people having different uh, levels of that, different levels of spending, and and such. Because you know you probably can cut some things out. You know there'll be some expenses that that you know fifty thousand as an, an example doesn't have to cover anymore. But we go through the math and come up with a with a number that makes sense. You know, in addition, um, what if the person that passes away is the one that's a caregiver, right, for the child? And so then you gotta look at, okay, what is um they care or some sort of care cost and I will save you the trip to looking it up. It's very expensive, unfortunately. <laughs> um I mean they should get paid as much as they are, probably because it's uh They're taking care of people's work. kids and yep.
4: helping them grow and
1: learn, but so they're very inflation well. Inflation has definitely hit that and it's been inflated, so it's it's expensive. So you gotta cover Both an income stream that maybe is covering you know groceries and bills and mortgage and whatnot, and also having um, something that takes care of the kids when you're when you're working if you're the member that's left. So then you know a lot of times people get married. They look at life insurance too because then two individuals join in one. House purchase is a big one too because if you got yourself into a beautiful nice new house and you know nowadays let's say six hundred seven hundred thousand our home for a starter home is probably. Likely you put a little bit down, maybe not a lot, and then you have, you know, a big mortgage. Well, can the person afford it on their own? Possibly. However, if they got a check in the mail that would cover the payment, you know, how much income does it, you know, how much less income do they have to generate to stay in a house? So at the end of the day, you know, we're trying to not be selfish with life insurance. Meaning, how do you take care of your loved ones after and if you've passed away? Right?
4: Sure. You know, it, it's talking about these big kind of subjects, but we got to do it. Be open and honest with each other. And, you know, the, these things come around. And there's something that I've used over my years uh, with working with various clients and family situations. And honestly, just writing the word life down, L-I-F-E, and you say, oh, my yep. gosh, what am I going to do? You got your liabilities. You know, you want to make sure the your your spouse, if you're gone or whatever the case may be, they don't have those giant burdens of of the house and on all these things, maybe it's cards or student loans. Right. You know, I obviously you talked about the income. I'm gonna need to replace replace income from whoever has passed. Uh, the F in there. Sometimes people will get funeral expenses, right. uh, something like that. They say, "Hey, I don't, I don't want to be a burden from the grave." You know, they're already going to be so sad to miss me. Right. Um, at least they won't have to cough up a bunch of money to, you know, do whatever we want to do or whatever our things are. And then E for estate or education. If you got kids and you, your your focal point is to help them uh, get some higher education and open up some opportunities for them, that's important too. Or or the estate, you know, here are living in the great state of Oregon or wherever you're listening, of course. But uh, you know, you have to think about some of those estate type scenarios. And we look at all those. We don't expect you to come in and know all that stuff. That's right. where we meet with you, spend the time, look through things, and then you get to decide what to do. Yeah, give you an assessment. You know,
1: I mean, whether you're in Oregon. Washington has a little bit higher limits for estate tax, but not that much higher than Oregon. And so, you know, taking a look at that full picture, right? So if you'd like to get a complimentary consultation from us, uh, which would include, if that's something that is important to you, going through this life insurance uh, calculation, give us a call at 503-253-3000. Now, have one of the things I wanted to talk about as we you know, we went over kind of the causes of why you should have insurance. It's a very difficult conversation to have at the family because it's we're talking, hey, if I'm not here, here's what happens, right? Um, and does does it mean you have to be, you know, does does the insurance uh, is it always tied to being a family in the traditional sense, right? No, not necessarily. You know, if let's say you have a significant other that you purchase a property with, right, it may be applicable to get life insurance if it's. Somebody you have a child with, right? Maybe it's something that you want to make sure you're you're covering. So I wanted to make sure to toss that out there. Um, and waiting doesn't necessarily help because you just don't know. Um, now, going into the other part, I want to discuss the differences between permanent insurance and temporary mm-hmm. insurance, or term insurance, as they like to, we like to call it. You know, term insurance is the one that, as the name states, is term, meaning for a term of a time. Um, a lot of times, maybe it's a 10-year, 20-year, 30-year policy. That means your premiums, if you're buying a level premium policy, have the same amount annually for the first you know, 10 years, 20 years, 30s, whatever your period of time is, at which point a lot of the companies will let you renew at much greater rates, typically because you're much older. And so you know, if you're in your 20s and your 30s or in your 40s, those premiums will probably be a little bit less than if you're in your 40s or 50s or your 60s. And that's just logical. Right, because as long the older you get, the more likely you are to unfortunately pass away, and so the sooner you uh, discuss this, it doesn't necessarily mean you'll pay less over the time. Because obviously, if you make it to your fifties and then only get a ten-year term versus you bought a uh, maybe a thirty-year policy back when you were twenty, I don't know the exact numbers, but I will tell you this: that most insurance, most term insurance, goes without being used, which is good. You know, it's sort of like um, you know, you know, knock on wood here. Car insurance also not being used very often either, right. because I'm sure lots of people listening right now they're like, well, I've never had to use life, you know, my my car insurance, which is great, good for you, and hopefully that'll be the case for the term policy. Now, so the term policy covers you for a period of time, as we said, and then the top number, meaning the the death benefit amount, as Dave nicely described to us, would be calculated based on what your family needs or what you individually would want to have. And so obviously the bigger the benefit, the higher the premiums and the lower the benefit, the lower the premiums and such. The beauty of it, it is a little bit more affordable than permanent insurance, which we'll talk about in a second. And so it allows you to, you know, even an earlier age when you're younger to get some coverage for your family. It's not going to be like typically thousands of dollars per year. It's probably going to be hundreds of dollars a year, unless you're getting a really large premium um, or have health conditions and other things. Everything obviously is dependent on underwriting and all of that stuff and every case is a different. So please call us if you'd like to get some specific information. This is just general information. So if you're going for forward and you're thinking okay, I should get insurance, well you come to a crossing where you see term life on one side and permanent. Now we talked about term. Term's sort of like, you know, I mean you're in insuring a car but insuring a person and you're paying it and as long as nothing happens and doesn't get executed and it's a little
4: bit yeah. more affordable. It's it's rental insurance. It's yeah. rental insurance. Uh, it's extremely affordable and approachable for most people, and it can you know fill a hole, fill a gap.
1: So then we pivot over to ter- uh, permanent insurance, and there's variations. So we're not going to spend too much time talking about it all, uh, but you know, kind of a high level. Number one, it is permanent, meaning you're usually buying it for your entire life. Depending what sort of insurance uh, you get, your premiums will be probably level as well. However, they will probably be higher much higher than yes. terms. Sometimes I've heard five or 10 X uh, the premium, right? Depending on the, the benefit amount. So do you need that? Perhaps you do. However, uh, one could argue that potentially, let's say you're a 25 year old that needs a million dollars of insurance. Do you want to pay, you know, I don't know, let's say $800 a year or $8,000 a year. And I'm using big, big numbers here just for sake of an example, but could you just buy the insurance with 800 and take, then take the other seven thousand two hundred you would have spent and invested it elsewhere. And again, each situation is different. But I would encourage people that are listening, if if you or your loved ones, maybe it's your kids, your grandkids, have children, have mortgages, have events in life that, as we discussed, might cause someone to have a need for insurance. You know, have them give us a call. And our number here is 503 is 3000 two five three three thousand. We'll take our time to discuss their specific situation, look at what's important to them, what are they trying to accomplish. And then give them uh, our opinion right at the end of the day maybe we come back and say actually you don't need insurance or maybe you need more than you thought or maybe less than you thought and so all of that will depend on multiple factors that we gather through a call and it's not super super intense mm-hmm. we try to keep it simple as we like to call the show investing simplified and we go through a process that we want to make sure is simple to understand and digestible to an everyday individual so with that we wanted to take another break but again If you would like to get a complimentary consultation with our office, give us a call at 503-253-3000. We'll be right back with more Investing
0: Simplified. Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming. But once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired... It is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, Please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family.
1: Welcome back to Investing Simplified. However you're joining us today, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, you can catch replays of our show available on our website at www.pricefg.com. You can also go to podcasts. We are using both Apple and Android devices as well as Amazon Music. Today in the studio with me, uh, Matt Sudol here, Wealth Manager, is Ryan Crandall with E Legacy Law. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. We've recently started a estate planning made easy segment, and we appreciate you coming on. It helps us dive into these estate planning tasks a little bit more in depth. I think our listeners have appreciated that. And again, if you've got a question that maybe you're thinking on and you'd like to ask us here at Price Financial Group or Ryan at eLegacy, you can email those questions to us and you can email them to askbo, that's A-S-K-B-O, at pricefg.com or feel free to text that question to our number here is 503-253-3000 if it's a question about estate planning we'll make sure ryan gets involved and gets us an answer on one of our follow-up shows but if it's a financial question we'll also talk about it on the radio the better the show is always better with questions coming from the audience and since the two of us are sitting here talking to microphones and you know everybody's listening in the cars it's a lot easier if we have interactions. So we appreciate those greatly. Ryan, before you jump in, how do people get a hold of you?
5: Yeah, they can contact us at eLegacyLaw.com or give us a call at 888-308-PLAN. And we'd be happy to set up a time for a complimentary consultation uh, where you can learn a, a bit of a, more about estate planning, ask specific questions and find out a little bit more about you know what our estate planning process is like.
1: Yeah. And the complimentary consultation component, you know, it's just it costs as much as your time is worth. So if you've got an hour of your time, half an hour of your time to just pick his brain, I think it's time well spent. So today we wanted to jump into a topic that pops up in our world quite a bit. And having Ryan on is going to be helpful to kind of see, you know, from the legal aspect, where does this come in? And, and And he's got some examples and a great one that we can, we can share. But a lot of times people will come to us and say, Hey, can I just simply transfer all my things over to my kids while I'm alive? Meaning, hey, I've got this house, a rental house, commercial property, maybe it's stock, whatever. And why can't I just move it to my kids before I die? They'll take care of me or maybe make it a joint ownership. And then when I pass away, you know, they'll just have it. Why can't they do that? So Ryan, the floor is yours. Why is that potentially a problem?
5: Yeah, it could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. Kind of just depends on on your situation. But something that a lot of people overlook when they're considering transferring an asset like that to their family is the potential loss in, in what we call the basis step up. And essentially what, what that refers to is the difference between your tax basis in an asset and what the asset is worth when you sell it, You know, which in the financial world and the tax world we refer to as your capital gain. And What happens when you transfer an asset during your lifetime, if it's an appreciated asset, so let's say I bought some stock at $10 and now it's worth $100. I haven't realized any gain because I haven't sold it. But if I transfer that asset as a gift to my children, they will inherit my original basis. And so if, if it's worth $100 now and I gift it to them and they turn around and sell it, they'll have $90 of appreciation that will get taxed at the capital gains tax rates. And that's different for lifetime gifts compared to gifts that I make at death. So if I hold on to that same share of stock and I transfer it as part of my estate to my children when I die, they receive what's called a basis step up, which means that they get a new basis, a new floor, and that's going to be equal to whatever the stock is worth on the day that I died. So if I bought it for $10 and I die and give it to my kids and it's worth 100 now their new basis is that $100. And so they could turn around and sell it right away and pay zero capital gains. We've essentially wiped out all of that taxable appreciation by passing it on at death rather than during my lifetime. And so that's a big difference between lifetime transfers versus post-death transfers from our estate. Right, right. So... What I'm hearing, and we've talked about this on
1: the show before because step-up basis and such come up quite a bit, is that if you're transferring an asset while you're alive, that asset will get the same basis as the owner that you're transferring from. So if I'm gifting my daughter stock, as you said, and I paid $10, she'll have a basis of $10 if it's gifted while I'm alive. So if she turned around and sold it, she'd have a $90 gain. And that's a long-term or short-term capital gain, depending on that. But then if... I wait and simply make her a beneficiary on my account or part of a trust, or as you said, in a state settlement, and she inherits it as a part of that, then the basis steps up to the value at death and then potentially have virtually no taxes on it, which is a subject that's been brought up in the politics. We'll see if it comes up during the debates. And as we deal with you know a new president or existing president, depending on how it all shakes out. But a lot of people always ask well how did the wealthy get away without paying taxes and a lot of the time the assets they hold are real estate assets their stock appreciated assets that have been with the family generation after generation but then they get pushed from one to the next and because of this rule that ryan just went over they get away without paying taxes so you have a good example though of a baseball player that this happened to
5: yeah, so it's kind of a a fun, interesting example, and, and to illustrate this point, because I think a lot of clients, even ordinary clients that maybe aren't uber wealthy, but you know, let's say they've got a commercial property. You mentioned like a rental property. They've got a rental home, and they're like, "Oh, I don't really need the income. Can I just give it to my kids now?" That's where we would say, "Okay, wait, hold on. Let's talk about this basis." And uh, we had a you know example with a baseball player that we worked with as a client, and pretty legendary baseball player played in the major leagues, and but older, older gentleman. And he had a l- several items of baseball memorabilia back from his days as a player. So for him, his tax basis in these items was essentially zero. You know, he had uniforms and equipment and baseballs. And, and he was considering putting those up for auction, where they would potentially make hundreds of thousands of dollars in, mm-hmm. in profit. And he didn't really need to, he just was thinking, you know, I feel like doing it. And, and so we explained to him this, this concept of of basis that if he didn't sell them now and, and just kept them with the family and passed it on to his heirs, then those memorabilia items, instead of being taxed at, you know, pretty much a hundred percent of the value that they sold for, they would get that basis step up if he just left it to the kids. And so that's what he ended up doing. And, you know, he, he passed away a few years later. And at that point, the family is able to sell all these highly appreciated uh, memorabilia items and and not have to pay any capital gains tax yeah. on the proceeds.
1: That could be huge. You know, uh,
5: as we all know, this, this
1: Investing Simplified radio show was started by Chuck Price back in the day. And Chuck used to say all the time that what you don't know can hurt you. And this is sort of an example right there where to us in the financial services industry, to legal professionals, this is information that's Pretty simple and basic, but it's because we know (laughs) how it operates and, and what it means. If you're out there as an everyday American, you may not know about this. And so again, it could hurt you because maybe you're making moves that you shouldn't. Anytime you're selling property, buying property, things are moving. You've got to consider both the financial aspect, which is important, but then the titling and, you know, the legal aspects of it. And so If you haven't done that, and if you'd like to take advantage of it, Ryan and the crew over at eLegacy can help you. Ryan, what's the phone number for you guys and website one more time?
5: Yeah, phone number is 888-308-PLAN. And our website is eLegacyLaw.com. And again, you can just go on our website and pick out a time right there. Usually we can be meeting with you the next day. Perfect. And so if you have maybe a transaction
1: you're dealing with, or maybe this has been on your mind, I mean, you did say you have complimentary consultations. So at least get on the phone um, through maybe a call and say, hey, does this situation look like it should be handled differently? And how can you help me? Because again, you get an answer. Maybe Ryan will say, you know what, don't worry about it. You're good to go. Or probably likely like, actually, let's look at this under a microscope here and take a look at what is this going to cause you from a tax aspect and gifting aspect and estate tax and all of that as well
5: yeah because you know there are actually some situations where uh, life gifting to family members while you're alive actually is a good plan it makes good financial sense and you know that comes into play more with the estate tax side of things particularly for clients in like washington and oregon where we have lower estate tax thresholds where if you have an estate you know in oregon over a million dollars that's going to be subject to a state tax. And and in Washington, you know, a little over 2 million uh, would be subject to state tax. But there's no gift tax in those states. So in that case, if we're looking to limit the amount of estate tax that would be owed, we might actually want to start making gifts of assets while we're still alive. But we want to pick the right assets and avoid uh, making gifts of those appreciated assets. So if we have things like cash, that could make more sense to start gifting that so that we're, again, limiting the value of our state for estate tax purposes. And when we do that, we can make gifts to, we don't have to give the funds directly to our children or grandchildren, we can gift them to irrevocable trusts that are set up for their benefit. so we can still control how those funds are distributed and managed over time. But it's a way of kind of limiting the value of the estate and avoiding taxes.
1: That's huge. I think I picked up on a couple of things. Number one, Paying attention to what you gift is key, right? So you got to look at, does it make sense to leave your ownership off to the next generation? Or does it not? Maybe it's a different asset. And the second thing is you don't necessarily have to write a check to your niece Sally or somebody and give the money away if you don't want to. But you still care about Sally and you want to put it in her her name in the future. Well, you could potentially put it in a trust is what it sounds like. So you, you can somewhat control it before it goes off to the next of kin or it could be in a trust for her. So that's important too. You've got options. So it's not like there's just a one way street onto all of this. Um, And again, it gets very complicated, obviously the more assets you have and the more things you move around, which is why you need professionals to help you, which is why I appreciate Ryan being on air. And on our side with the finance aspect of things, we do look at things all the time to consider taxes and consider the step up basis We didn't talk about how IRAs and retirement accounts play into all of this. They don't get a step up in basis. Unfortunately, Somebody's going to have to pay taxes on those in the future. But again, it all comes with comprehensive planning that we could offer here. So again, we also offer a complimentary consultation and our number here is 503-253-3000. We try to tie everything together and then bring in professionals that we need to, to make sure things are taken care of the right way. Like Ryan, maybe a tax professional to make sure your plan is fully holistic and does look at all the aspects of the spectrum. So this has been another episode of Estate Planning Made Easy with Mr. Ryan Crandall. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more Investing simplified.
3: I'll bet you've heard me talk about e-legacy law and how Tina and I wanted to protect our family by creating an airtight estate plan. Hey, it's Lars, but e-legacy law isn't just for our circumstances. They have many ways to help you protect your assets, including community property agreements and pre- and post agreements. Whether you're currently married, going through a divorce, or newly engaged or newly married, make sure your estate plan works for you. e-legacy law is a full-service estate planning law firm that's completely virtual. The <laughs> cat we worked with an experienced estate planning attorney to get our custom plan done without ever having to set foot out of our house, and you can do it too. The process couldn't be easier. They offer affordable flat fee rate pricing on all estate plans, so no surprises. Go to E-Legacy Lars to get the Lars Larson special rate to save $250 using promo code SAVE, only available to my listeners. That's E-Legacy Lars to save $250 today. That's eLegacyLars.com. eLegacy lars.com
1: welcome back to investing simplified however you're joining us today thank you again for making us a part of your day as we wrap up the show one more reminder for everyone if you would like to catch replays of our show we're available on our website at www.pricefg.com as well as on podcasts both apple and android and amazon music Appreciate everyone listening, and as we, like I said, close out the show, Matt May, Wealth Manager, and Matt Sudol back with you here to discuss the show and sort of wrap things up. We have about 10 minutes to just chat and talk about some of the things we went over already. So at the start of the show, you and I talked about what's going on in the markets, how one of the indexes, specifically S&P 500, has hit an all-time high, the NASDAQ's getting close. The Russell, and I don't think I actually said it, but I believe it's you know 15 to 18% away from those all-time highs, so quite a
2: ways to go before those get hit. Yeah, and on those small caps, by the way, looking back 20 years, they're the cheapest, particularly the value side of small caps, small cap value, is as cheap as it's been compared to large caps in the last 20 years. Like right. the small value companies are as cheap as they've ever been in the last 20 years compared to those bigger companies
1: yep so they're on discount on sale potentially an opportunity there we don't know we'll see what the market brings us however when and if interest rates start coming down I guess the if is sort of almost out of consideration because the Fed has mentioned they're going to cut rates but mm-hmm. how much will they do and how quickly we'll see you know those companies smaller and mid-sized companies will get a little bit more of a boost.
2: I think so. There's a couple of complications with that, though. The Fed is in control of short-term interest rates, what's called the overnight rate, the Fed funds rate, kind of what you'd see on money market or what you'd see in short-term CDs. But when you go out 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, the Fed is not as in control of those. Sometimes when they've stepped in and bought bonds like they did after the financial crisis and during COVID, you know, they increased their balance sheet to massive amounts. Financial crisis, they grew it to four and a half, five trillion. In this current COVID crisis, they grew it to $9 trillion. That's all those bonds, mainly U.S. Treasuries, some mortgage-backed securities and other things during COVID, like they even went into the junk bond market. So they pushed around the longer end of the curve a little bit. But I think Right now, the focus has been so much on rates are going to come down. I don't necessarily know that it's going to come down across the board. I think the short-term rates are definitely coming down. That's my belief because the Fed says so. But what about 10-year treasuries? Yeah. What about 20-year treasuries? And when you're talking about a small company borrowing money, and typically their rate is not tied to the Fed funds rate. It's tied to the 10-year treasury. So or at if least 10-year treasuries don't really move all that much, then, you know, that could be a little bit of a shocker for the markets.
1: Five or seven, a lot of them are tied to prime as well. So we'll see how it all rolls off the language that the Fed presents and then how the banks react and then how they end up doing the lending.
2: For sure. I think there's two reasons that, you know, the way the Fed is going to unwind that $9 trillion balance sheet and also, you know, kind of a newer development over the last year or so is that, you know, with a $34 trillion debt as a country, Other countries around the world are kind of looking at us with our, you know, we've got a debt to income ratio as a country of well over 100%. That doesn't necessarily spell good things when you're investing in a U.S. bond from outside of this country. So kind of that, you know, the rest of the world is kind of looking at us. Do we still want to own the U.S. Treasury, which is quote unquote The safest investment on the planet? Is it so safe now that we're in so much debt? So I wonder how those two things will shake out. Yeah,
1: some of that we don't know. Some of it we can speculate on and we'll see what the Fed does and how the markets react. But in short, what we were discussing in the opening segment as well was the fact that, hey, markets are climbing, clawing their way back and so potentially so is your portfolio. You may not be back to square one. Lots of people aren't because as I mentioned, seven companies and amounted for most of the returns last year. And so if you weren't in those seven companies, maybe you were a little bit more defensive or protective. You didn't make your way all the way back yet. But if you've thought about the fact that, you know, that drop was a lot for me to handle that, you know, volatility was just not something I was interested in, not, you know, going into it, then perhaps now is a good time to reevaluate your plan or look at a plan in general. And again, we provide complimentary consultations to our listeners. So give us a call here at 503-253-3000 to see If your plan makes sense for you and your family, are you overly exposed to certain sectors or underexposed or, you know, how does the income come into play? You know, what does it look like from a tax lens? You know, there is going to be changes that we'll talk about on other shows that are rolling off in 2025 and going into 2026. There potentially are some changes that may be happening that will affect you. So, right.
2: And it's not just about the view of your finances from an investment perspective, we really try to use that holistic approach to look at all aspects of your finances. Like you mentioned, the taxes, the financial planning, estate planning, these. How do the pieces of the puzzle
1: all fit together? You know, and I talk about that quite a bit when, you know, meeting with people is like, okay, you have a 401k at work, maybe you have an outside IRA, a Roth IRA, some, you know, investments you inherited from family, bank cash, all of that has to work in concert and so maybe you have too much in cash or not enough in cash for a budgeting standpoint, right? Maybe you're missing out on, you know, funding a retirement account that you could have been funding that you just didn't think of. There are limits and income limitations and such that come into play that make things a little
2: bit more complicated. I think one of the you know, bigger things that I work with my clients with is to get their social security statements. They don't mail them right anymore. You Even as simple online. as that. And it's sometimes not easy. Yeah, Sometimes so. it can be one of the biggest challenges I face is to help people find their social security income, yeah, which so, is, what is literally 40%. You know, it was designed way, way back to replace 40% of your working income. So okay. if we're planning and social security is potentially 40% of the answer and we don't know it, I mean, let's say we got everything else right. We've got a score of 60%. You know, S- that's not a good answer. That's not a good score. No, not at all. Not to change and pivot too much, but
1: one of the things we talked about is, you know, how do you you know, protect yourself moving forward, whether that be, you know, with your portfolio or other assets. And so we get that question frequently. And one of the things that, you know, we can kind of leave things off with here and discuss just briefly is interest rates are at a quite, you know, significant They're much
2: high. much, much higher than they were three years ago. Yep.
1: And even though you know the ten-year retracted its way back down from being almost at five down to
2: four and change, it cracked five for a second. Yeah, then came um, all the way back back down to all the way 4%. down four percent.
1: Interest rates are still very favorable, and what does that mean? How can you take advantage of it? Well, interest rates or mortgages are high, credit card debt, and all that. But CDs, fixed bank products, are paying more. Insurance companies are very excited and when you're looking at fixed insurance products like fixed annuities or fixed index annuities. All those companies typically have higher rates when interest rates are higher and so potentially there is an opportunity there to see okay does it make sense to protect any of my assets does it not maybe it doesn't make sense for your specific situation but and also not only do you but for how long two years three years five years yeah that's a good point yeah because a lot of times we get sort of lured in not bad way necessarily but you see an 11 month cd at the bank at five percent you're like oh man that's awesome well think about where do you think rates are going to be in 11 months we just mentioned the Fed's going to cut, as they said, three times this year, and if it's a quarter point each time, we could be 1% lower just a year
2: from now. And then you're having to enjoy a much lower rate on those great, CDs. Great, you got 5% on that last year, but now going yeah. forward, you could have locked it in for another year or two years or three years. The yeah. expectation is that those you know intermediate rates are going to be coming down over the next two, three years. yield curve uninverged. So if you're interested in looking at fixed rates or
1: options that would protect your principal in any way and would like a complimentary consultation and a holistic plan, please give us a call at 503-253-3000. We appreciate everyone listening and we'll be back here next week on Sunday. Thank you everyone and have a great weekend. This has been Investing Simplified.
0: Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. Investing Simplified is brought to you by Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. Price Financial Group has been doing estate planning since 1970 and investment and retirement planning since 1975. Individual situations may vary, and the information on this show should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Other parties present on this broadcast are not affiliated with Price Financial Group Wealth Management. Investing Simplified is the longest-running live financial program with a certified financial planner, a state planning attorney, and a certified public accountant to answer your questions for free. Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401K, 403B, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. The opinions voiced in Investing Simplified are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with an attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. A diversified portfolio does not assure profit or prevent losses in a declining market. Roth IRA conversion is a taxable event. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with Price Financial Group, Wealth Management Incorporated investment services offered through price financial group wealth management incorporated an sec registered investment advisor leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired It is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, Please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family.